Deuteronomy 31 and verse 8. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Let's do it one more, more time. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Up to Matthew 28, verse 20. This is Jesus. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. One more time. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God is here right now. Father, we ask that each one of us would have an awareness of your presence. That you're the God who never fails, and you're the God that never forsakes. Would you come and strengthen us through your word this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. These weeks, we, we've been, well, last week, and then this week, so is that these weeks? Last week and then this week, we were talking about Missio Dei, which is Latin for the mission of God. Missio Dei points to the sending nature of the triune God. It's the idea that, that Missio Dei is the idea that it's not something that God did. God, God does mission work or God sends son. It's, it's the idea that, that this is who God is. It's a part of his very nature. God is a sending missional God. God is a sending missional God. He is present and he is active. If you get anything today, I want you to know that he is present, he is active. He is present with you right now. He goes before you to your work tomorrow. He goes before you to your home this afternoon. He goes before you, and he is present with you. Not only that, God is active. He is not, it's not deism, which came out of post, um, post-enlightenment rationalism thinking that God's up there, and we're down here to do all of the work. That dualism, that's not a part of what we believe about God. God is present, and God is active in our midst. And so as a church family... Miss, the mission of God is something that we participate in because we belong to the one who is sent from the Father, Jesus. Because Jesus had a mission, we actually have a mission. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved that he gave. The type of love in which God loves is extending giving type of love. God loves, so he gives. And this time he gave his son. That's Missio Dei. It's part of that idea of God sent the son out of the overflow of his nature. I love the world. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So Jesus is talking to the third person, which you can do if you're the son of God and son of man. He says, this is eternal life, that they, the disciples that were with him, know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Council of the Trinity looked at what was they were planning, and they said, in this plan, we, we want to send the Son as a way to manifest and demonstrate the love of God. John 17, 18, as Jesus is praying in his high, sleep, high priestly prayer, he says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Here at Normandy, we believe, or we're trying to, to at least, that we practice following Jesus together. That discipleship does not happen just in a coffee shop where you confess your sins and memorize a few scriptures. But when Jesus came to a group of men and women, he came and said, hey, y'all come and actually follow me. What it means to be a follower of Jesus is to be one who is sent into the world. Because as the Father sent the Son, so Jesus sends his body, his followers, his disciples into the world. John 17, 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And then John 20, 19 through 21. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, with the doors being locked, the disciples were in fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. God's present. It's like, how do you calm your fear? How do you calm the fear of your kids? You don't give them facts, reason, and logic. You calm them with presence. I am with you. Jesus comes right into the place where they are afraid, where they are following him, and he says, I am with you. He says, shalom, whole body, peace, mind, will, and emotions. Peace to you, followers of me. And when he said this, he showed them his hands in his side. They needed something tangible. Like on, on Sundays, we gather to remind ourselves of who God is, who we are, and what we are called to do. And these guys saw Jesus. They saw the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. They saw the weird hand. They saw him rebuke the Pharisees. They saw him slaughtered on a tree. They saw him now alive from the grave. And they're freaking out. And they're not getting it. And Jesus comes and says, Shalom to you. This is good news. Peace to you. Peace to you all here. And then he shows them. They have an experience with flesh and blood. Jesus. How many of you are like, I could use that today? Like, we come with the expectation that he is here. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. He's, he's like, look, guys, it has not changed. He is the same. I am with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. He is here today for us to experience and encounter him. Sometimes that's in worship. Sometimes that's through word. Sometimes that's the love of God's people. But we're here, here today because we need that reminder that we serve a Jewish guy that was born of a virgin, that lived a sinless life, and was crucified for our sins, not to get us out of hell and into heaven, but to get God out of heaven and into us, so that we could live the life for which he created us. Because there's only been one you, there's only been one Normandy. And so we need that reminder, that flesh and blood reminder, because we get distracted. Because we get off mission. Because we fail to live out our purpose. We get disintegrated from God, from ourselves, and others, right? And so we're here to remind ourselves that peace we needed, and then ask him to have mercy on us. These guys needed an encounter with the risen king. Like, they needed Matthew 28. He sent them to worship, and some doubted. Dude, you saw him walk on water. What do you mean you doubted? What do you mean you doubted? You know, you know what I mean? You, you saw these men walking around. They're freaking out because they didn't expect resurrection in the middle of creation in the middle of time. And they needed a reminder. We need that, that reminder of this aim. That he is who he says he is. Then the disciples were glad when they saw him. Oh, treasure. 
Start with ghosts, because ghosts were freaky then and now. Okay, it's just ghosts are freaky. I don't care how much my, my sons joke about zombie ghosts. I don't know where they got that. But they're freaky. They're like, like they're glad. They're glad. Their joy has gone up. They've gone from they've gone from peace and shalom to seeing him to like oh, it's just Jesus. Like joy has now filled the room. They're like, wow, you are alive. You're alive. I mean, this is mind blowing news. And he said again to them, Peace be with you. <laughs> Why? Here's the message. As the Father sent me, so said I you. Because that's what it means to be a part, share in the na nature of a God who's a sending God. Because eventually you're going to get sent. We gather on Sundays to get glued together, to get attached to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so that we can go into the world. I um, we had an enjoyable um, dinner for birthday party uh, for Casey this week, and um, anyway, this guy Casey and I walked up first long time. Um, had a babysitter. Went, and the guy that was like passed out on the floor outside of the restaurant. We, we only go high five. five so. <laughs> And um, so I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. So I went and got Casey, and then when like, my emergency kicked in, and I went and went out there and found the manager, found the guy, said, are you okay? What do you need? I called a doctor. He wanted some water. So I went back to the bar, and the guys aren't paying attention to me. I just walked behind the bar like a boss and got some ice, got some water, and walked back over there. Because that's, like, that's what I'm good at. I don't know. Like, like breaking boundaries. <laughs> I don't know if you understand. Got him to take care of the manager. And so somebody asked later on, um, just didn't your pastor didn't you pray for him? And I was like, I didn't. I should have. I was feeling like it because he came back in, but then I was like trying to get my own like peace center back down to normal. I didn't pray for confession. But like, how much of that do you think is like true of your life? Get the hired person to do it. The sending part. Like, as the Father sent me, so send I you. If you are actually, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've been added to the Lord. You're now a member of his body, and he is the Lord of your life. And you, you submit your life to his, so that his vision for your life becomes your vision. Otherwise, he's not the Lord. He's just a butler coming to do your will, right? You're sent by God. That, that means that us as, as a people are sent into the world to go, go be the hands and feet. So he sends us together into the world. So it's not, it's not just the paid professional pray for people. Does that make sense? That was kind of like the heart. I, I was like, both first I felt like guilty about not doing it. Then I was, I was like, ah, we together do this. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just me. Yeah, that's good. So, so that's what we're talking about. Missio Dei. Sending nature of God. That was a longer introduction than I was hoping. Um, I want you, Barry, if you don't mind, I want you to pull up this idea. The reason why we're go going through this, I think this is very strategic, um, a very strategic sermon series. I want to go through the healthy church PowerPoint. That's where you're getting a preview of what you'll hear uh, later on today. Um, Isabel, thank you for your work on this. I was able to take it and make it great. If you want to point to it and believe. 
point to their Steve Francis. Steve Jobs. One more point. So the strategic reasons. Um, there we go. Because our heart is to get to health, right? To get back to a healthy place as a church. So fun to be with you guys this morning. Um, so it's just delightful. There's I feel we're a mega church all of a sudden with all of you guys here today. It's just great. I'm like, oh yeah, we're back, baby. Yeah. Give me back on social media. Let's go. But this to me is like the definition of a biblically healthy church. Glued. Glued means attached. It's the way God wired us. It's the way we're wired to feel good and want to be included in this summit. We believe that, that the more we are deeply attached, we cultivate a love of God, a love of others. We actually experience koinonia. That's the CEO of day three. We receive the mission from God, and then we do that thing together. Koinonia, like the vision I have for church is not, not that I'm the main dude or whatever else, but that Jesus is. And there's a team of people leading the church, leading the congregation. And every man, woman, boy, and girl, because they've been added to the Lord, they, they now have the Holy Spirit of God within them. And that means that they have a voice and they have a place because what God does is he saves you and he equips you and then he places you in a family and gives you a place at the table and a gift to use and a mission to use under the kingdom of the heavens. That's just for you. Like how you are wired. He made you because he, he didn't screw up when he made you despite what the world has been telling you for years. Despite the life that you and I believe so often, you're actually made for purpose. And that, that's what it means to walk in one me to be glued together. And we've seen it in moments. We've seen it at like the point like Acts 2 where people are added to the Lord because of what God is doing. Praise God. Okay. Going. I believe a healthy church. Going to church. And oh my word, I thought about two people. One is Sang in tune. Back in the day, she came to Preston and I. We were in right outside a closet office. And she had been discerning that God was inviting her to leave her corporate job and go serve the red light district here in Dallas, which, which there is one of those, by the way. She would go to prostitutes and wash their feet. She was sent by God. As she walked together with us, we didn't do anything. We said, Jesus, this is what he does. The Spirit of God starts to highlight her and starts to send her out our midst. That was awesome. Then Katie Olson, I think her name is Katie Olson. So, y'all, like literally, we have a time again right outside like, my closet office. Spirit of God starts ministering to her. Somebody gives a prophetic word for her. And like six months later, she's across the world in Madagascar. Like, we didn't have like missions conference, we didn't have a going conference. But what happens when you're a part of following Jesus is that sooner or later, people start going into the world. Like missionally going into places, boundary breaking, boundary crossing, going to get the people, the lost looking, the lonely, the people that never darken the door of a church. They say, I'm going to go to them. Because we are sent by God, by the Son of God, into the world. So a healthy church is a glue church, a going church, and it's a growing church. Now, this is why we've, like, I, I've said this is strategic these months. And we've actually already been, as they say now on Instagram, but not X, 
He draws near with compassion and with redemptive presence. Like he's here beside you in your wickedness to redeem you and to have compassion on you. He cannot change. It's not dependent on who you were yesterday or today. It's dependent on him. I am with you to save you, to redeem you, to have compassion on you. As Dallas Willard said, that the atmosphere of the kingdom of God is pity. And since we are pretty much all pretty wealthy, we don't like pity because that's what you do for people who are poor. But his atmosphere of the kingdom is pity, meaning when you breathe in the kingdom of God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have compassion on those who would save. This is good news. And if he has that for us, that means he also has it for the world. God's mission is to save the world, to redeem the world. And so the right thinking, if nothing else, God is present and God is active. God is present and God is active. So this is that right thinking. This is orthodoxy. If we have right thinking, then hopefully we get to orthopraxy, which is just right practice, right behavior. But first thing of thinking, which is God is active and God is present. Y'all say God is present. I don't know if that works just to hijack your brain to remember. God is present. One more time. God is present. God is active. All right. I want you to take a moment and write. Think. Where is this one place that God is active? Or God is present. Excuse me. God is present. You haven't thought about it. Like, like God is present. Think about your work week coming up. Think about where you're at. Where is God present? He, he is there. He says, I will never fail you nor forsake you. Uh, you nor forsake you. I am with you always. God is present. Think of one place. Like, where, who is it? I'm forgetting this. Uh, someone from my family. Where they said, surely God was here when Noah. What, what is that? And what is it? Say Google that. I'm telling you, Google that. Yeah, I don't think it's that one, but I know what you're saying. What you're saying. Just Google it. Surely God's here and we didn't know. So God is present. I want you to, John's like, I, I actually am asking from all of you guys. Benny's on it. There we go. God is present in your home. God is present when your kids are freaking out. God is present when you are in a place of discouragement. God is present when you go into your car and you want to flip a person off, God is present. I don't mean that from like a don't sin standpoint. I mean, I want us to change how we think. God is present. With the boss that you may or may not like, God is present. God is there in your office or in your cubicle or in your Zoom meeting. God is present. He is, the Holy Spirit, Dallas Willard said, is unpersonal, bodily, bodily personal power. And bodily personal power. The Spirit of God is with us. God's present in your work. He's, in, he's present in vocation and recreation, at the gym, at the office, at the coffee shop. God is present. Not only that, God is active. And it's not dependent on how many people show up to church, Pastor John. It's not, not dependent on how you're feeling as you go into the coffee shop or to the airplane or to your work or your business or what's going on with your kids. God is active. That means he's doing something. 
And we know that he wants to save the world. He wants to redeem the world, right? So there's a chance that there's something that he wants to save, to heal, to restore. So our job is simply to discern it. It's stressful to think about us going and conjuring up something. Really, it's just for me. Holy Spirit, go. Holy Spirit, go. I can't. I can't. But you're trying to use it. It's caused this haircut. But God is Jacob, in his normal everyday day, what he's doing, sleep, God is present. So God is present, God is active. Surely God is in this place, and he didn't know it. So what we're trying to do together is work on to discern, discern the activity of God. So we're shifting from doing church or doing mission work, uh, and instead discerning and participating in God's mission. Like Isaiah somehow encounters God in Isaiah 6. Um, he gets cleansed of um, some sins, some iniquity, because he lives with the people of unclean lips. Shedding and sedating blow down the country. And then he hears, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And so he, he discerned God was doing something. And, and then he said, I'll go. I'll go. So what we're trying to do in this season strategically is to discern what God is already doing it. Then kind of volunteer and say, I will join with you in it. What I believe is that men and women in the pews of our churches today, specifically in America, they don't need more information. Y'all don't need more information. Like someone who's a prophet stands up and says, go, go, go. You just wait to, dis- to distinguish everything and learn every fact before you go love someone. Missing the point. You don't need a theological exegesis about James again. We know more of the Bible than the church in Iran, Afghanistan, and China. And they are exploding with growth under pressure and death and persecution. But the Spirit of God dwells in you. It's not by might nor by power or nothing that you've done, but the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin, brings us to the right hand of God, because now we're seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. And so it's time to turn off like the information and start getting into discernment, saying, Christ, what are you doing? What are you doing? So shift our thinking. God is present and God is active. God is with us. Not only that, he's working. He's already working. He's, he's already doing something in the family member that you've, you've kind of retreated from and you're like, ah, I don't want to engage in the spiritual anymore. He's working in that co-worker. He's working in our government. He's working down the street. He's working. And so what I want us to do is discern that. And the other thing, I've said this a few times earlier, Barry, if you'll pull up the second slide, and I've said this a few times, is that for Western Christians, like don't be mad at yourself or judge yourself, uh, for Western Christians, we don't think of places as sacred. We don't think of like, we like the Bible being sacred and like life is sacred, and that's it. We don't think about places, but God actually uses his people and places for his redemptive purposes. So if we're going to be strategic about this and discern what God's doing, we've got to figure out where we live and see what's going on there. It's Nehemiah and the wall. He was 
with King Nebuchadnezzar. He had a burden for a place. The wall was broken. He had a burden for his people. His people were unprotected. So it was a place, a space, and people. And he went and interceded before Nebuchadnezzar and said, hey, can I go? And he granted him what he wanted to do. He built the wall, okay? Don't over-contextualize this now. That's abusive. Starting missional churches, God is not only people, but he uses specific places as the setting for his purposes to be actualized. If all we do is look around and discern that people are apathetic, discouraged, disconnected, doing church online, then you're just, we're just buying what the enemy's doing. Congratulations. Let's go a level up, discern what Christ is putting in our midst, in our neighborhood, because he's already there. Okay. God uses this strategically in order to advance his gospel to the ends of the earth. So a couple of things I want you to know about where we live. We live in the buckle of the Bible Belt. It's like we are the gold star on the buckle belt of the Bible Belt here in Texas. Can y'all say amen? No, man, hey. I'm going to make about 15 coarse jokes. Stop. Stop. Take this whole thing away. Okay. We are in the buckle of the Bible Belt. Like, I want you to see, so this, this little chart here is actually from the New York Times after the Trump-Biden election. And Dallas County is uber-liberal, uber-liberal, as most cities are. Um, and if you look, look at, like, that little red line that is right where we're at right now, right there by, by Royal Oaks Country Club is conservative. And then all around us is really liberal. Like, we live in a place that's very socioeconomically diverse, Okay. And the paths have never crossed. I'm starting to pick up there's like, like Lake Highlands, kind of new Lake Highlands, rich people. And then there's like old East Dallas type people that are kind of like, at least I would, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. They're different than me. A lot of incense, it gets burned. That, you know, long hair, hippies, I don't have that anymore. Not that I've got long hair. But it's just different. And then there's different classes, different colors, different races. There's socioeconomic boundaries here. Look again at the high school, Lake Highlands High School. I misquoted this last week, but it's 32% uh, Hispanic, 32% African American, 28% white, and 4% other. 4% other. And what I just want you to know is that God is present in the high school. Just because they had a teaching that talked about Billy and his two moms does not mean God has forsaken the high school. God is present in the high school. God is present in your job. God is present in the neighborhood. And you start to discern, Christ, what do you want to do here? I'm going to, yeah, what do you want to do in this place? Like just north of us, there, there was a drive-by shooting. Five points just down the way is one of the most diverse, it used to be the highest murder rate in the city. Do you think the God of all life wants murder to be known? No, he wants life and salvation. So the question is, not what that, like, all that emotional stuff. It's rather, God, what are you doing? Let's discern that, because you know what's stressful? Doing what I'm doing. You know, you know what's not stressful? Although it can be difficult? Doing what you're doing. Does that make sense? So, first, first, first. Okay, that's point, point one. Man, I, I just preached this whole part. I'll just say it up to sum it up. God is ahead of us in our neighborhoods and in the world, and he's engaging the powers of principalities and inviting us to participate with him. This is, this is all of the book of Ephesians. Like the church's job is to display the great God to the powers of principalities. And Christ goes before us to fight the powers, to, to deliver us, and then to bring people into the saving knowledge of God. Um, 
Acts 18, 9 through 10 says, Don't be afraid, go on speaking, and don't be silent, for I am with you. Don't no more attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. This is about the church of Corinth. And he stayed there a year and six months teaching the word of God. Our job is to discern his initiative. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing, the church is a sign, a foretaste, a witness of the breaking reign of God. I wish sometimes I say this and then y'all would stand up and be like, why is that? But can I get a witness? And then people are like, hey, yes. That's not our culture. That's okay. The church is a sign and a foretaste of the coming kingdom. Um, Revelation. I didn't Revelation 7, 9 through 10. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, like the Bower family, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud noise, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Bear, take us back one time. If God uses spaces and places, and if theoretically the church is to be a foretaste of the coming kingdom, a witness to the coming kingdom, then what would a church look like that looked like this area? I don't really want that in my flesh because that's going to be hard. I'm just saying. I want it to be at times it's a nice country club where people have Holy Spirit encounters and about. But, like, what would the church look like? What would your life look like? This is tough. I can rest on this. I'm not going to lie. Like, think about it. Like, so we don't, we don't shame. We don't get shame. I don't have time for that. Do anything to anyone except for give them counseling if needed. Long for bite my arm. But just what is God doing? Well, we know what He's ultimately going to do. So, so what are we now in light of the coming kingdom? Does that make sense? So don't get like I, I, I just grace. We just discern together, and I get excited. All right, final point today: the Holy Spirit. So. God is ahead of us in our neighborhoods. Number two, the church is a sign of foretaste. And number three, the Holy Spirit gives the church the perception, wisdom, resource, courage, and work so that we can participate in what he's already doing. This church, right now, as it is, not, not as it could be, but now, he's gifted the men and women of this church. He's placed you here. He is sovereign over it. He didn't mess it up when he put them together. Sometimes we don't, don't respond too well to the head of body of the church when he says he says to stay at a church or go to another church because we want him to do what we want him to do instead of follow his lead into the church. He's the head of the body of the church. So he has gifted this, this body in particular. 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. 1 Corinthians 12.18-20, but as it is, God has arranged the members of his body. God arranges it. I have a high view of God's sovereignty over the church. Not everyone carries that view because we like, like the church shop. But I have a high view that Christ himself is the one that's leading the charge in the church. And then our, our response is not to look at references or Google them, but to say, Jesus, 
in my community with the word of God, where do you want me to go? But as it is, I has arranged that the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were single men, where would they be? As it is, there are many parts in one body. And then boldness, and that's actually for as it says, I pray for boldness to share um, the word while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders performed through your name of your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God in boldness. All right. God is present. God is active. God is ahead of us in the neighborhoods and in the world. He is in the powers and principalities. The church is a sign and a foretaste of the inbreaking reign of God. And then the Holy Spirit gifts the church with this boldness, with discernment, with gifts to understand and participate. So if you don't mind, uh, dear listeners and church family, I want you to write these two things down. The church is called and sent to participate in God's mission. The responsibility of the church is to discern where and how the mission of God is unfolding. So the questions I want you to write down is, what is God doing in our neighborhood? Our as in normally, and then slash my neighborhood. Just like one, one, two, three, four, four, five, six, seven, eight people can love your neighbor. There you go. Like a little, I don't know, four square there. So what is God doing in our neighborhood, like the neighborhood I just showed you? And then what is God doing in my neighborhood? 